Anti-Trump social justice warriors are spreading their message of inclusion, unity, and equality all across America by taking to the streets to light trash cans on fire, smash police cars, and beat the hell out of Trump supporters. Why? Because their humanitarian women's rights hero, Hillary Clinton, whose husband abuses women, whose foundation helps wealthy pedophiles get immunity, and whose biggest campaign promise was that she'd launch us into World War III, lost to the object of their hate, Donald Trump. And now they're afraid. They fear that he's a racist who's going to abolish all civil rights for minorities. This despite the fact that back in 1999, he was honored by the Rainbow Push Coalition for 30 years of inclusion and helping African-American communities. They fear that he's a homophobe who's going to drone strike all gays. This despite the fact that his mentor was a closeted gay man with HIV who long trusted Trump with his secret. And perhaps their biggest fear is that everything Barack Obama ever did will be wiped out of existence. This despite the fact that Trump has already openly stated that he's going to keep some aspects of Obamacare. This is not a defense of Trump, it's a condemnation of the mainstream media. Because while they pretend to want healing, every story they report only further fuels the anger and encourages more protesting. Or what any normal person would call rioting. Unity is not only what they don't want, division is what they need, is what their very existence depends on. This, and much more on this 11th episode of the Propaganda Report. This is the Propaganda Report. I'm Brad Binkley here with Monica Perez. Monica, how you doing today? Uh, I'm okay. I'm a little under the weather, so I'm going to. I might be a little slower on the draw than usual, but I'm going to do my best. And maybe I have post-election stress disorder. Yes, that's <laughs> that's. I heard that back in 2004 when. Yeah, when when uh, George was George Bush long. and John Kerry, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. There, there's clinics because people were so broken <laughs> up about George Bush that clinics sprung up, and that became a, a business for a therapist. I went to exercise. I went to a Pilates class Wednesday morning right after the election, and the whole place was shuttered. It was completely closed down, and I thought, I honestly thought that they were so bereft that they're actually grieving. And had to close the place down. I did later realize they just changed the schedule, but I I think that I think there is a real phenomenon of yes. uh, well, it went from I think they went in like the reverse order of the stages of grief. They went from like you know uh, feeling despondent, whatever, to anger. Oh I think yeah, that's what we're seeing now yeah, is yeah. the anger phase, which seems to be out of order. Uh, absolutely, that uh, a couple of my friends who are who they do theater and, and they're. Their rehearsals were canceled just because people couldn't <laughs> couldn't deal with it, and there were people who were mourning. And at a, at a show they had, there were people meeting up at the bar and, and writing letters to Hillary. It, it, oh my know, gosh! It, it, well, was, it was crazy. I was absolutely gobsmacked. I'm not going to pretend like I wasn't. Like, what the heck is going on here? Because I just did not see past what I was told, which was she was going to be the next president. I could not see past it. But for me, the shock and confusion and cognitive dissonance was trying to figure out what pieces of like how the world works, like what I don't see about the puzzle pieces, not like, oh my gosh, He's going to cut down all the trees and put all the immigrants in FEMA camps. Like, that's not what I was thinking. It's just like, wow, what is going on here? Because Hillary really 
did not. She seemed to be uh, absolutely uh, blown away by this. I do not think she was in on any any behind the scenes shenanigans that might have been going on. Right. But uh, yeah, so I was shocked too, but not in the kind of like the way, I mean, these people are reminding me just of like after Obama was elected and he did change the world. I mean, Trump might change the world in a way nobody really expects or maybe even wants, but uh, people shock at Obama's election, I think is similar to this. Oh, it's absolutely. People are in shock and I, I, I don't, care i mean i i really if you could have voted for your your foot your cat it doesn't matter as long as you didn't vote for hillary clinton i i don't i don't care but it is hilarious to, i voted for none of the above. yeah you wrote in none of the above <laughs> i just didn't see anything that no you couldn't there was a list of approved write-in candidates in georgia there were 17 approved candidates uh, and I vetted every single one of them. And there was not one uh, that stood with my conscience. Well, so you, I couldn't write in Ron Paul. I, I think you. I mean, I guess I could have, but yeah, that would have been on them anyway. Just, just draw it on the screen with a marker. <laughs> put took my crayon out and made it a big. You might get arrested, like, and put in uh, uh, Guantanamo Bay for messing with those those machines. Yeah, the uh, what I call rubbing the Buddha's belly, like going in there making a wish, yeah, exactly. <laughs> throwing a penny into the well. But this, I don't, you know, I think that this was driven by a very sophisticated, like probably even the reporters didn't realize what they were doing. Media uh, program of just constantly telling you that he was the underdog, constantly yeah. telling you that he was the outsider, which they could have completely outed him for not being an outsider by saying just some of the stuff you touched on in the last minute. There's so much. I actually just posted some links to people, to websites that were ahead of it, saw it coming yeah. and had all the dirt on the CIA connections of Roy Cohn and all that stuff, which I had read, but I just was like, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, Hillary came out to. Uh, so I gotta get. I gotta get. Oh, I was gonna say. I gotta tweak my truth. Dog. Yeah. Well, it's tough with so much propaganda coming from all different angles. It can be overwhelming sometimes. Well, that's the genius of the propaganda and the disinfo and everything. It is really, truly. Uh, so, I mean, I, I really, I went to Harvard. I went to Stanford. Not that that means anything. I actually think you get brainwashed and dumber, <laughs> you know, at that level. But you know, I had to take standardized tests. Like I am capable of critical thinking, and I should be able to sort through this stuff. And I'm telling you, I really, there's at least a whole nother layer of this. Yeah, they try to inject so much emotion on both ends that even it's hard to not be affected emotionally. That they, I mean, they try super hard to make you take a side, to make you take one of two sides. They try to narrow it down and they, they yes. use, they, they make you hate, hate, hate. And that's the goal of propaganda. Yeah, but. Everything is a dialectic, and I noticed it. So I noticed it with the alt-right thing, um, and there's always some uh, – you know, it's always always the dialectic or the sides taken are always based on some truth, like some real – like a reaction against PC, whatever. So it's so – if you look at the internet, you think like half of the sites are alternative 
against the official narrative. And some of them are obvious disinfo, but always when you drill down, they're always playing into some dialectic. And that's where you have to watch out because that's how they control your, your, you know, I, I could see myself like just being immersed in an official narrative that made sense to me. And I think it's it, those things are are just spoon fed to you. I think that it's it's more complex. You're not you're just not going to find it on like fifty percent of the alternative right. media. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, so Clinton today, she told her top donors that it was Comey's fault that he's why she lost. I, I don't. I you know I can't. <laughs> I think I'm a little shell shocked. I can't. I can't pull that one apart. That Comey thing seemed like a ridiculous farce. Like he was playing just as ham-handed and obvious a role as the rest of the actors in this reality yeah. show. The the only thing that I think is really, really blew my mind is that I saw the Trump-Clinton, what was a, clearly a connection. They were connected for a long time. And I thought Trump obviously is the shill for Hillary because she would never do it and lose on purpose. Like she just doesn't have the energy for yeah. that. You know, she's just, so when, so then I realized when it was her, cause you, I think you think this Trump was the plan B. I actually think he was probably the plan a and that she just didn't know it. And that's why it was so plausible. So the Comey thing, I don't know how it plays into it, but anything she says about why she lost, I doubt, I mean, my guess is she knows now what happened, and it's right. Not well, I, I have a theory on why it, she said that, and this kind of, this oh, kind of plays yeah, in with uh, a little bit of what. If she's saying anything, I mean, my guess is she's going to be on Quaaludes for the next I two mean, years. It has been for ten years, probably. <laughs> oh, maybe, but I just can't see her getting out of bed right. after that, yeah. like, oh. like Rocky at the end of uh, so, Rocky One. <laughs> so. I can't, I think, yeah. I have a bunch of stories that um, I, the, the media has talked, they've been talking about unity and this country has to heal. We have to, it's such, it's, it's such bull. They don't want, they, all, they rely on division. If the country were healed, nobody would watch. Well, the they're saying, <laughs> I was watching Don Lemon talk about the country healing and in the background, all the pictures of the protesters, you know, and like the Cal exit people. And uh, so it's, it, it, it the cognitive dissonance in itself yes. is a powerful, like emotional weapon. So he's sitting there saying, even though this is really, really awful, we want you to be unified and heal. And then there's the Calax of people in the background who, by the way, could just resort to the 10th Amendment and exercise states' rights. They do not have to secede. They can if they want to. <laughs> yeah. They're going to succeed but, and then you know, establish just- a big government is what they're going to do. Yes, right, right, right. So I just, I'm just, I, I see what you're saying about the CNN thing. It's so weird because I watch them like, well, they're saying we, they want unity, but they're playing these protests nonstop in the background. Whereas when I went to Fox, I didn't, they weren't doing it like that. They had, right. They it's not, yeah, approach. it is a different approach, but I got from about four different networks. Uh, I have headlines of stories that all play into this idea of keep these protests going and keep this division going. And uh, I just want to go through some, some of these headlines. One of them, the Comey one with uh, about Hillary Clinton saying that it was him. See, I think that plays right into this whole, this, this, these, I, they're not protests. Let's be honest. They're riots. They're, they're smashing cop cars. They're beating. Are they, yes. Are they really? I've, I've been sick. So I have I'm really like super sick and I can't. In LA were arrested. I mean, and to get mad when you call it a riot. Yes, because you're beating up people and beating up cops and lighting tra- – they're storming out into the highway. Is it Soros-funded? Is it 
there's definitely some organization going on here. Well, can I interject? I just want to say this chaos thing. We did maybe the first or second one early, one of the first few propaganda reports on the strategy of tension. And, uh, and one of the 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 reason I was absolutely convinced that Hillary was the heir apparent, the chosen one, the single reason was I felt like she was the only person who could or she would be of the two, the one who could silence the anti-war left that if it so when she invaded the final stage or whatever of the conquest of the Middle East with troops on the ground and everything that, uh, if you if you didn't have a Democrat, you would have riots in the street right. like with Bush. But then I was thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, we did the strategy of tension. It's really morphed into or evolved into or escalated into a strategy of chaos. They are actively pursuing funding protests and chaos from the Bundy Ranch thing to Black Lives Matter to the deplorables to everything. You and I talked about how after the election there was going to be conflict. They were setting us up for it. They wanted civil unrest. And now I realize that that they like it. So if you have anti-war protesters in the mix – who cares? They, they would probably even be discredited by all the other rioters they're surrounded by because they they're getting all these protests out. <laughs> right. They have protests for the whole riots for the whole four years. And, and that would really give Trump carte blanche to do anything because you're not really paying attention to the details. Right. People will be protesting for so many different causes that the protesters will become indistinguishable from each other. On one side of the street, we'll have the white liberals protesting. On the other side of the street, we'll have Black Lives Matters tearing through the middle of the streets. We'll have feminists protesting. We're going to run out of room for protesters to protest. But you know, you know what makes me crazy, though, is that this would be – just like this last year or two, it was a perfect opportunity for the libertarians and uh, whatever that was hijacked. This is a great opportunity to show – to to just communicate with these people, with people on the left, the Bill of Rights is there for all of this to protect you at the smaller levels from a guy in D.C. you don't want. That's what the Second Amendment is for. It's what the Tenth Amendment is for. The First Amendment, which they're going to do away with when they get rid of due process, you know, like these We've been talking about it, writing about it, but if you go through the Bill of Rights one by one, all of this stuff is to protect you from federal overreach, even if there's somebody out there uh, uh, you can't yeah. trust. And they're not going to use this as an opportunity. Obviously, it's going to be an opportunity to make more rules, more more authoritarianism, more conflict. You know, they're fighting about whether you know it's going to be whether abortion should be banned or mandatory. Right. Yeah. You know, it's never going to be the states' rights thing. It should be. Yeah, it's convoluted the way that they think about it. They, it, it's, I mean, it's so this this their reaction is is kind of the same as what like Hillary was everything. That she she claimed to be all this stuff about equality and fairness was obviously she she wasn't, and humanitarian was obviously she's a war hawk, and the response of her supporters, rioting and and, and I had a friend who called me um, yesterday and she was telling me about how she went and hung out with some of her friends like right before the election and. They were having like a girls' night. I guess they were uh, in bathing suits and pillow fighting, whatever they do, and um, they. they <laughs> <laughs> they they eventually somehow it got political 
and, and that's funny. <laughs> she said that when it, it <laughs> sorry, that when it got, I mean, that's what you guys do. Those, those, those nights, right? Yes, yes, but I didn't know you knew. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I didn't. We're so it's, a it's an open secret. Otherwise, you would pee. Right. Well, yeah, I don't tell anybody. So okay. it got to be political eventually, and 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 she said she wasn't going to vote for Hillary, right? And her friends got like. That first of all, they got all these videos up, and they're like, "You have to watch these videos." Yeah, they show all these videos about Hillary. <laughs> were they about how how great she is? They were like, one of them was like Louis C.K. talking about how they need someone who's a tough mom in there, you know, and because they're all um, they have children, so they can re- they can relate to that. The ones who were showing the videos, and so, uh, <laughs> but she she voted for um, she was a Bernie Sanders supporter, and she continued to support like she voted for him anyway. And so she didn't even vote for Trump. She wasn't a, a Trump supporter. Yeah. Oh, no. There's, there's no, no differentiating here. <laughs> there's no <laughs> differentiating between you either support my candidate or you're for the other. And they won't the two talk candidates. to her. They, they have her. The other people have. And this has happened with a bunch of people. They've gone off of social media. They've shut their phones down and they will not talk. They have given her the silent treatment. And, and this has happened with like a, a handful of people that I know because – they wouldn't support Hillary, and, and it wasn't even – they weren't even coming out against Hillary. They weren't even voting for Trump. It was just, you're not supporting Hillary, and, and it's just <laughs> over. And this idea that it's about equality and openness and just give me a break. This is, this is tyrannical right here. This is Hillary Clinton. It's Hillary Clinton rubbing off on all of her supporters is what it is. It's actually it, – it, I don't know if – I used to be this way and the world changed or just I changed or what. But the idea that even if she were all those things, that she could save the world or would is what makes these people so hysterical. Like, like it's the one election. It's like the Supreme Court thing. It's this idea that we are on, on a razor's edge from a complete loss of control and and we might be but that just means that it's already gone yeah because if one person if you know if one supreme court justice or one presidential election can create this this situation where we're all in prison you know it's it's over it just can't it's either not that razor thin or it's too yeah it's it's crazy i was talking to a friend a hillary supporter and in the middle of the conversation throughout it, they they start talking about Russia, about, oh, I'm sure Russia's like just just so pissed off that Trump said he's going to talk to Russia. And, and I stopped and I said, wait a minute. Aren't you anti-war? Isn't that don't you don't you realize that? <laughs> I mean, the, the, the congressmen, generals. Oh, yeah. There Michael Moore. Be... Uh, what's her name? Jill Stein. Everybody is in yeah. agreement that Hillary Clinton is the war hawk and Hillary's openly promoting World War Three. But but you don't. Where is the disconnect? Like you just said, you're you're anti-war, yet you hate the idea of anybody talking to Russia and, and you support Hillary Clinton. Who's promising you World War Three with Russia? And and you try to communicate this, and it's just nope, nope, nope. No. I mean, nothing gets through. And, and then eventually, you get called a sexist bigot for pointing it out. It's such an inversion of reality. Maybe, maybe the anti-war left is virtually dead. Like maybe it's been stamped out with, because what happened, I think, after nine eleven was that, and Obama really, Obama. 
kind of put the last nail in the coffin of the free press. I'm not saying it wasn't already on its way out, but like there was nobody left. Before Obama, there were kind of truthers in the mainstream yeah. media because they were so anti-Bush that, that that's what they saw. And then after him, they were gone. So like, I'm just wondering if now they're just, nobody's been nurturing or cultivating the anti-war left and they just didn't even need left cover. I mean, they're buying this. It's what we've talked about with, again, the art of ambiguity and language stuff (laughs) is they're, they're buying into this whole idea that we're in Syria for humanitarian purposes and for the sake of peace, oh we are over there fighting that all of these people against big, bad, evil <laughs> Russia. And, and so in their mind, it's that's a humanitarian purpose, and that's not, that's not a George Bush war. That's a Barack Obama humanitarian uh, action. He, he dropped 20,000 bombs. This was in the Council of Foreign Relations. Yeah. I mentioned this to you. 20,000 bombs on Syria and Iraq in 2015, and when I said that – to my to a driver it wasn't an uber driver uber drivers are really sensitive to the five-star system it was a but if expensive black car driver i said to him we were talking about i told him that and he said yeah but those were little bombs (laughs) (laughs) that is what he said Twenty thousand small bombs because obama's the peace prize it was like the sparkler firework of bombs Yes, it only I, – and I was just trying to scale it up to like the size of the country and what that would mean here. It would kind of be like 2 million bombs yeah. here, 2 million And, and Hillary's in here. one of the WikiLeaks emails saying that she knows it. She's going it's going to kill a bunch of civilians having to do – doing the no-fly zone like she says. She explicitly said this. So it's not a secret. Like she even is aware yes. of this, but her supporters, they, they literally – there's a disconnect. They do not see Barack Obama dropping bombs as war. They do not see Hillary Clinton uh, creating a no-fly zone and starting right. World War III. They do not see it as starting World War III. They see it as a humanitarian action against an evil to protect the sovereignty. And I'm like, you are so – you're so mind – you are so – you sound like a lunatic right now. <laughs> But you you believe yourself, and and that, at that point they stop listening to me because I'm going crazy. <laughs> well, just for the record, I don't think Russia is in it for humanitarian. No, of course reasons. not. But, but th- he's got the 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 legal high road because right. he was invited in there. But this is really a battle for who, and so is Ukraine, a battle for who gets to exactly gas into Europe. That's all. It's I mean there are other geopolitical things, maybe about Eastern Europe and Russia, and maybe Israel in the Middle East. That those are definitely elements to it, but one the the reason he's in the here and now. The, the response I, I got was, um, was let's not. Well, the response I got was this: Did you see those pictures of uh, the violence and the 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 things that Russians were doing to? I can't remember what specific people he said, and I was like. No, I, I didn't see the specific thing you're talking about. Did you see all the pictures of uh, things Americans are doing that's circulating in other, other countries? Because that's called atrocity propaganda, and it's been around since since civilizations have been fighting. There's a well-documented history of countries creating false atrocity stories and blaming them on other countries for the purpose of demonizing those countries so that they can win public support for a war. So that they can make people feel like they're going up against a monster that they must stop. So that they can get people to say the exact thing that the person I was talking to said. Now, it's often based in a kernel of truth, often from the very distant past, that is reiterated time and time again so that it seems like it's always going on. And sometimes it's based in an actual truth. But the fact is, regardless, 
atrocity propaganda is always being carried out, regardless of whether or not it's currently true or not. There are countries that are portraying us as the ones who are evil demons carrying out atrocities, even if they are far from the truth. That's how propaganda works. And I'm I'm not pretending that Russia's a good guy. What I'm saying is is this idea that that we're in there doing these wonderful, wholesome things all the time is an idea that's propagated in every single country. The Russians aren't sitting around in their country going, we are such bad people. We are killing all these people. We're so happy about it. (laughs) Everybody thinks that they're the good guy. Oh, here's something super important that I realized and I never – ever heard anybody else talk about this, but it's really important in my opinion, that we think of propaganda as a way to control the American public, but every single country, and the bigger, the more important, has to have control propaganda. So when we get leaked to us, there's lots of stuff that makes America look bad here, not that kind. those kind of like bombs and stuff. You can go to other countries and see uh, like r- atrocity propaganda against America, which of course they're real pictures of real atrocities, but we don't see that here, but we do like when uh, I guess we bombed a hospital in Afghanistan by mistake, right. whatever that story was about. Oh, oh, there was a lot of stuff. And, and that, that Putin got invited by Syria to go in there so that like he has the legal high ground and we don't. The, the Russians, I I have a feeling that the Russians are actually harder to propagandize because they just spent 70 years with Pravda and yeah. all that kind of stuff where they knew that the propaganda was run by the government. So they're just harder to – but we have spent all this time being convinced and believing that we had a totally free press. So it's just – it's kind of like um, like the FDA. Like if they tell you the drugs are safe, you don't research them. Right. You just eat them. Right. So – so if you believe it, like these things are all covers, in my opinion, to keep you from thinking or doing your own research. So they, so we actually have to look bad internationally in order to get those other countries in line. So there, there is two-way – so like a lot of people here – latch on to the Russia is taking the high road thing, but that too. Right. No, I, I, it is. And maybe a dialectic. It may be a dialectic, the thesis, antithesis, synthesis, where if you can't trust a unipolar world of American dominance and you can't trust a bipolar world of the USSR and the USA, maybe we really do need world. Uh, yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's yeah. And, and it's just this idea of, the the human brain and this is something that that is used against us is we we can't you know we can't hold all that information like you said we can't re, re, research everything so we have we think in symbols like we can be manipulated with symbols and and language and simplifications and we want to believe there's an undeniable good and that there's an unde, undeniable evil that we're fighting against but these wars are all just huge gray areas and it's a deep complex um it, it, like the the simple answer is what the government yeah, yeah. gives us. That's not really. That's not ever the true. The true. Yeah. Those are the war aims used. Oh, go but ahead. But I have to say, this is the time where this point needs to be made. That you can't know that stuff, and it's why our uh, our founders made it clear whether they believed it or not. But the founding principle was we have the luxury of these two oceans. We do not need to get involved in foreign wars. And actually the American experiment of self-governance 
could not work if we were required to do what empires do, which is restructure the world. And what we really need to do is always think about our own basic principles. What are the principles of a just war, if there ever is a just war? I mean, basically, if they're not actually killing you for no reason at all, just to invade your space and take your property, you really have no business trying to figure out their stuff being the policeman or whatever. It's not moral. And the same thing with like if Trump, Obama, whoever's running this country, it doesn't matter if it's a psyop, if somebody's behind it, who's on top of the pyramid. If you always use your touchstone of thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, the Bill of Rights, whatever your objective principles are, you don't have to always figure out what's at the bottom of the rabbit hole and that gray area, you know, to me, it isn't, there isn't a gray area. You need to respect the sovereignty of other countries, keep your guns on the, on your borders, you know, basically. And it's black and white. Don't kill people. Yeah, no, I agree with that. People. I mean, in understanding the conflicts that are going on is, is, yeah. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. I'm just, I'm just trying right. to clarify because it, it it's so overwhelming. Like this election to me. That that uh, it was so hard to separate information from disinformation. It's really, you know, I've, I then I found these sites that actually were ahead of it and really explain it in an, a narrative that this fits into. But I don't know that that's right, right either. You know, you could actually come up with a couple of there. So now I'm like, okay, I'm going to regroup and I'm still going to try to figure it out. Still going to highlight what I know is true from what I think is true and all that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is really all of it, all of the propaganda is really an effort to get you to compromise on your principles and not trust. Yeah, they keep people in a constant state of anxiety and and that creates dependency. And and the ability and they want you to say, yes, that there's subjective truth. Like, yes, it's all well and good to respect people's sovereignties and maybe we shouldn't have invaded Iraq, but – there was there. It was our last chance. He was Hitler. He had nukes. Right. He, Hitler with nukes. Like you, you yeah, had the, to go in there. You the had, demon. but he did right. it. You know, he yeah. didn't have that stuff. So, so I'm just saying, you can't compromise your principles. It it destabilizes the world. And I think this is a good time to realize that they really have control of this. Oh, they totally do. And uh, to to that point. And, and then let's go through some of these stories. I think it's a good time to show the propaganda um, in these uh, headlines and articles. Okay. Uh, but but to that point, one of the things that it talks about in, in all the propaganda literature is the ideal propagandee is somebody who has been through the education system and has often um, gotten gotten a little bit of higher education because you have to be able to understand the uh, the language and, and the aspect of, of what they're presenting you a little bit in order to be uh, propagandized by it. But the 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 ideal propagandee believes himself to be immune to it, believes propaganda to be something silly that, that <laughs> they could never have their the the wool pulled over their eyes. Now now other countries, yeah, they'll say. Are you propag- trying to tell me something? No, 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 of course not. No, not you. <laughs> No, I am really trying hard to not fall into that trap. And I have noticed that the word uneducated was a synonym for deplorable. It's like a slur. It's right. a way to marginalize yeah. people who are not brainwashed. Right. You know, my, yeah. my, the smartest people I know, my family is full of truck drivers and mechanics as if they did not do higher education, but they taught me everything I knew about critical thinking. Right. Yeah, yeah. And- my brother and um, a lot of my friends are, are, are the same way. Just uh, rednecks who say the most profound things 
<laughs> at times that blow your mind. At least your family's not rednecks, but where I come from. <laughs> All right. I did not I, I you cut out oh. there for a second, but I I would not be insulted by my father was literally a redneck. Like his neck was red. He had the oh. shortest hair of anybody. He had been a sailor, motorcycle rider, like he was just a Harley rider. He was just that's what he was. He did yeah. not have Oh, tattoos. no tattoos? Do you have any do you have any tattoos? No. No, absolutely not. But my brother, who was in the service, had a tattoo. Can I tell you the tattoo? I'll, maybe I'll save the funny tattoo. Story. Okay, uh, maybe we maybe we can close out the show um, on the funny tattoo story. Um, okay. Maybe okay. So that. we were talking about the Comey story a minute ago, and here's why I think that that story came out is because this whole idea that Hillary is going to win the popular vote is being is on the front of CNN, MSNBC, even Fox at times. And, and there's there was even somebody being interviewed by one of the CNN anchors. This guy's on the street and he's just like yelling and he's going, "Hillary won the popular vote." And, and, and one vote, one person, and then he starts looking in the camera, he gets real serious, and he goes, Hillary, Hillary, because he thinks, obviously, that the Supreme Court is like a McDonald's that you can walk into and just order change. Hillary, go into the Supreme Court. You're a lawyer, Hillary, and, and just fix this electoral and make it one person. You're a lawyer, Hillary. I mean, just at, for like a minute, he was doing that. I'm like, what? I don't think it works that way, dude. But this idea that it's it, it, that the electorals messed up, I think that's fueled by this Comey thing because they're going to say that the Comey release was illegal. They've already said that. They said he did, he pulled an illegal action, so they're going to say Hillary lost because of what somebody in the FBI did. It was illegal. Can I can I explain why it's a, a canard, like a false argument, to say that the popular yes, vote please, please do. So it's electoral. It's electoral college. And here's how it works. I, I don't think I've ever lived in a purple state. I've lived in New York, Texas, California, Georgia, where the outcome was pretty clear. Maybe maybe not this time totally, but in a lot of places, people knew or thought they knew, even if they were wrong. They thought they knew the outcome. And what happens is that millions and millions of people stay home. So like 25% or for whatever it is, like 50, 60 million people roughly voted for Hillary and uh, Trump. So that's like 120 million voters. And there are more like 220 million or more eligible voters. Half the people stay home. Are they all complacent and lazy and whatever? No. A lot of them just know that their vote isn't going to swing it. Like in Texas, you know it's going to be Republican. In New York, you know it's going to be Democrat. In California, you know it's going to be Democrat. If the popular vote were known ahead of time to be the deciding factor, then you would probably have twice as many votes, which could easily swing the election either exactly. way. It's the fact that it's a done deal, that people know that are, are reliant on the electoral process that, that, mean, that invalidates exactly. the popular vote. As a reflection of, and of that's the not what will. they're promoting in the media, and that they're promoting in the media that we need to challenge the electoral system, and they're, they're, they're fueling the and the riots. Well, they did it again doing. with Gore. They yeah. did it with Gore and Bush. Gore won the popular vote, and Bush didn't. And I remember that after that, the next one, two thousand four, Texas had had. I don't know. He he got millions more of the popular vote. Bush did maybe not in Texas, but everywhere he got millions more because people didn't want to hear that argument again, and they got up and voted even if they lived in a in a state where it would not matter. 
Yeah, and exactly. And the people on the streets, they need this, though. So the media, like if the if they, they explain that um, on CNN and if they also said if they also explain the absentee ballot thing where they don't count the absentee ballots unless it's within a certain margin. Is that true? That's uh, that's what my research over the past couple of days I found. So if you have if you lost by 100 and there's only 80 absentee ballots, exactly. there would be no reason to count. Them. Right. Yeah. yeah. But you still need to put it in the tally. That's not right. Yeah, I know. It doesn't seem right. <laughs> so they, they, maybe that's one of the things people hate about the absentee. Ballot. And I've also heard that she's not even going to win it. Like it's not – they're not even sure yet. So it's, it's just it's such <laughs> it's an uncertain – completely thing. marginal. But the C- CNN is like Hillary definitely going to win <laughs> by – it's getting bigger and bigger. And that's what they need to fuel these protests. And the Comey thing adds to that because it's like not only did she get screwed by this illegal FBI move, she also won the popular vote. We should continue protesting and we should continue signing this peti- petition at three million people assigned to challenge the electoral how to get people how do you get it's people electoral to, electoral, <laughs> electoral. But look, sorry but look look what's the end game here what is in your opinion because i don't think that the left was prepared i don't think that don lemon and wolf blitzer and jake tapper and those guys were ready i do not think they, they see, knew I, this was coming i don't you. know Whoa, man, I, come I, on. No, you when I was, little what you see is what you get. I was so happy when I was watching I it, could pull my head out of the rabbit hole for just a minute. I, I, when I was watching it, there was something really strange about it because I watched CNN. I watched it. Because they I was, weren't shocked enough. I did. I they were not shocked. They were calling it at like before everybody else. They, they were. Remember I was telling you that they were talking about how it's over, and I was like, why are they I saying thought, it's over? Yeah. It was. It was. No, so I don't strange. know. I wasn't up that late. I was up pretty late. But like, I didn't make it. They would better. still be fighting today, saying we haven't called it yet. It, that's what they would normally yeah. be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So that that uh, that felt kind of odd to me. Um, I so, don't know, man. I don't know. I I, I guess. <laughs> but I just like Hillary. I guess you know. I really have to watch it because if if I have like an idea in my mind that that I just cannot reconcile with reality maybe that keeps me from seeing it but like with Hillary on the last day she was like this is a historic responsibility i i am uh i know it's a tremendous honor and blah 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 i'm doing it for everybody and like she she had a victory face on i just don't and i think that's why she couldn't come out till the next day yeah. and gear herself up like i just do not think she was falling on her sword for somebody else i mean it's possible of course but i just and for I, anybody wondering her victory face also a monstrosity <laughs> she yeah but i don't know i don't know and then I hope we can get into or at least speculate on the uh, purple. It was so obvious they were wearing purple for a reason, the royal purple or, you know, purple state purple, uh, purple revolution. We're going purple, to an 80s party. <laughs> Is that, was that a big 80s? Was that an 80s color? Uh, Prince. Maybe it's LGBT purple, purple uh, rain, purple. Right. Oh, there. And, and speaking of L- LGBT, here's another headline that um, is provoking the LGBT fears. LGBT community fears backlash after Trump victory. Let's see. Oh, like they're going to be oppressed. I, I have to say yeah. he might have the first openly gay person in his cabinet. Peter uh, Thiel is on his team. And what's Peter Thiel's? Peter Thiel was the uh, founder of PayPal, but this guy is deep state all the way. He's also the founder of Palantir, which is an InQtel company, and InQtel is the CIA's venture capital 
fund. It's like openly the CIA's venture capital fund. And it, and Palantir means something like the seeing stone. I, I don't know if it's from the Hobbit or what, but it's like this, the all seeing eye is Palantir, which, which Teal founded, but he also contributed to Ron Paul and he's supposed to be the big libertarian. He's the one yeah. who brought Gawker down and he's on the steering committee of the Bilderberg group. Isn't he also the one that was funding research about where they did research on adult mice being infused with the blood of young mice and it giving them rejuvenating oh, powers? He does do stuff on aging and he does on the singularity, which I think yeah. singularity isn't when like technology and humanity merge. That's Something super like that. sick think, yeah, stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't even snap to that. I saw that, but I didn't uh, – fully digest uh, let me read you this quote yeah, from this, uh, lbt this is one of the quotes now, the whole idea is this gives this, this gives this group of people to uh because one of my friends was very much along the same lines of this they, they were worried about mike pence especially but really? um yeah they, this this fueled their anger and this is fueling the riots oh, um, donald trump sits atop the most hateful republican platform in history one that sorely endangers the most fundamental american values of fairness and equality for all america stands tallest when it stands firmly in its founding principle that all are created equal. With the election behind him, President Trump must now rise above the divisive politics and side with the vast majority of Americans who demand equality for their LGBT friends, family, and neighbors. And, and so, like, this is this is fueling the fear. And these are the top stories. Like, this is NBC News. Yeah, well, don't forget, I actually think <clears throat> you're going to get a big turn. You know, you're not going to get what they, they are expecting. The right and the left both expect him to be uh, bigoted that way, and I don't think you're going to get that. I, exactly, I, also, I don't you either. Have to remember that the Republicans and the Democrats flip. They they are there to suppress their own side. So if you're right. going to have a an actual advancement in you know unity on the LGBT issue, it's going to take Republicans to do that. And I don't think he's I think yes. He might I, want. I completely agree, and that's like. To to the point of maybe he doesn't want uh, his lawyer coming out. He doesn't want them finding out about his um, – because his lawyer was a pretty corrupt guy. Yeah, but if if, if one of the news networks truly wanted to not fuel the fear, they'd say, hey, wait a minute, everybody. Let's chill out. His mentor was a closeted gay man who had HIV, and he He protected his secret. Yeah, and if they really wanted to ease people's minds a little bit, that would make people go, oh, really? I want to tell you two things about that. When Roy Cohn, right before he died – of AIDS was uh, put on trial and disbarred. But during the disbarment trial, Trump was hit, uh, a character witness for him. And just and this was like in the eighties. Just last year or the year before, I think I might have told you this. Uh, the physical warehouse that had the paper, the, the files of that, blew up in an arson fire, and they were destroyed. And then I was reading another thing, a a really elaborate, very, very long article, which I sent you. So I I did not verify it, but uh, Roy Cohn was McCarthy's lawyer, Joe Joe McCarthy's lawyer, like McCarthyism, the witch hunt stuff. He was also a mob lawyer in New York. And one of the things it says about him is that he was a deep state CIA guy who, um, because he was gay, uh, was like a procurer for underage just like your Epstein guy, oh, he wow. was the like gay Epstein. And that what they would do is if people <clears throat> weren't playing ball, they would 
I, I, I've read this before, like they would roofie you and take you pictures of you in compromising positions. I didn't see that, but it was definitely a blackmail thing that, that uh, he was implicated in. You know, I don't know if you're ever going to find a smoking gun on that, but I just think uh, the Roy Cohn stuff and the deep state stuff, um, I, yeah, I don't think that Trump's number one goal is to suppress the LGBT. I, I don't either. And uh, another article here on Fox, uh, fighting to the end, Dems push for electoral college nice. vote uh, college <laughs> vote change. So yes. they're pushing for the change. Oh, really? Gotta... I said, yes, we highlighted it. This is another darn thing that just makes me crazy is that I uh, we talked about democracy itself being in the crosshairs. And I read the quote of Kissinger saying uh, the Chilean presidency is too important to be left up to democracy. You know? Exactly. And that's what the deep state guys were saying, like the foreign policy guys who Republicans who were supporting Hillary said – this is too important to leave it up to the people. What would happen if Trump were elected? I mean, this is uh, let's hope democracy doesn't fail us that bad. Right. And and, that, and this is how this is. So you're, you're essentially you have three million people who have signed a petition already who are essentially demanding a change of our form of government. So this is how you get the public to beg yeah. for a change. Well, one one article I read, which really blew my mind, and this I do indeed have to digest fully, was that the the march towards world government that's um, marked by globalism. Globalism was the tactic strategy that were that was used for a long time, and that it's it's getting a backlash, which is understandable. Like eventually, a, a method, a tactic, a strategy gets old, gets transparent, doesn't work if it's that way, and that actually. This the Brexit thing, which I smelled a rat on to and other nationalist movements, even in, in um, many of the European countries, they have these right movements coming up. I just smelled a rat with all of it. And the theory I was reading in that philosophy of metrics blog I sent you a link for was that they're going to change tax and, and make a nationalist movement and a regional movement that will, for us, um, suck back in the dollar from kind of the rest of the world. And and then we won't be kind of the world leader because we'll have uh, – it'll be good for us in the short term. But then uh, it's making way for a multi-currency, kind of multilateral future, which will be in itself the foundation of the world government. So instead of just – uh, morphing the central power into world government, it'll just kind of emerge fully formed with like a basket of currencies, that it, kind of that's thing. That's exactly so that, that's the communist approach to transforming a, a government it is is from the inside out to where it just emerges after after it's been so infiltrated and so transformed oh. from the inside. Yeah, I mean, this stuff is again like a, yet another layer of the onion. So one layer of the onion is that you know Hillary wasn't in on it. There is there are factions up there. Then there's um, the layer that our they either have to create or control the zeitgeist that they don't just tell you what to do and beat you down. They have to really get to not only your mind but your right. emotions, yeah, yeah. and that's what this whole thing is. 
talking about. And then there's another thing that like they're there. And this, I, I knew always knew is true because I'm not a student of that kind of stuff. You're more of a student of that than I am. And you see the complexities there, but this idea that, they have very sophisticated mechanisms for attaining their goal. So for me, I can see the false flags. I can see the psyops. They're very obvious. And I know the goal, which is world government. That too is very yeah. obvious. But these pathways, which I think what makes them hard to really see is that they're adaptable, which is what you always say. They have to right. adapt. There are there are other forces at work. That and and Saul Alinsky said it in the rules for radicals. He's like, set down your path, and then as soon as you know a barrier comes up, just go around it or absorb right. it. He's really absorb yeah. it. Make you know you get the use lemonade. It. The lemons give you. Yeah, lemonade. you use whatever happens as. Uh, it's the idea of whatever happens, you're going to use it to serve your purposes. No good crisis goes to waste. Mentality. Yeah, but it's just. I mean, this I did not. I really did not see this coming it's quite oh oh and what it does this is the thing that it really does which is a flag for me is that i i didn't print out the email i should have where the, somebody sent me an email saying you know in your face monica <laughs> you know, I was like, okay that's fine i don't care but it said um this is god's way of rewarding us like this is we have taken this country i, I got we that have, too on a have, comment yeah we have we have gotten that we have control of the system and when i had my show the other night on wsb you heard the guy say, uh, you know, I, I now my faith in the system is restored. And to me, that alone is a is a big. Red yes. Flag. The fact that. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, but, they had to restore faith in the and, system. They and that is to. a major that's a major uh, theme in, in propaganda literature is you have to compel the people to to hate so much that you have to drive them to the polls so that it justifies the system by compelling them to participate in it. Oh yeah, you did say that too. So so Trump has to follow through on some of the stuff to not I mean, I don't know. I think a lot of the real hardcore left was disappointed in what they saw as Obama's compromises. To me, he's so far left, I don't see it, but I, I know they see it. And uh with the Trump people, he's got to you know, he can't just come out and be conciliatory day one in every direction. Right, you're he right. He is gonna have to, to do something. Yeah, he has to maintain their faith. He has to, or this really would have Hopefully, been you know, you know, he could get away with being the biggest Democrat that ever existed if he did one thing, and that's if he called a special yeah. prosecutor on Hillary Clinton. If he made, if he kept that one promise, he's going to get away with. He's already back. I know he is, that, but that will that? give him free reign to get away with a whole lot with the people who supported him. Dude, I worry about her. Like, they, uh, I've been talking about the Secret Service psyop, like for years, few years now. They've been setting up this legacy of incompetence for the Secret yeah. Service, and I just don't know why. I try not to ignore things like that. That like I don't hear the other shoe dropping, but like I worry about people who are like inside betrayed by the inside. Like I think she was. I could be wrong. You might be right, but I just wonder if they can, if if she or some people are always stable enough to bear the weight of the betrayal you know together with all the stuff they know like that's what i think happened to Gaddafi and hussein yeah. really they were hussein especially was i mean he asked that april glassby memo shows him basically asking permission to invade kuwait who had been messing with him and they said yeah that's fine he didn't know that I guess the Bush first Bush administration was egging Kuwait on to mess with him and provoking this. And then when he did that, then we turned on him. But I feel like you couldn't let a guy like that live if 
Uh, now, some people think he's still alive, but you couldn't let a guy like that live if if they know where the bodies are buried and then they're betrayed. So, so you, you think Hillary's going to have other people tasting her food for for the next? Uh, she might. She's probably going to have her grandbabies tasting her food for. Make sure there's <laughs> there's nothing in it. <laughs> tasting her pizza. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Here's a couple more <laughs> a couple more headlines that um, one of them. Th- these two kind of go together. Um, North Carolina GOP condemns KKK parade honoring Trump, which is probably like five guy, five CIA agents <laughs> playing with CIA the agents. It's been so, I think it's the FBI that infiltrated. Right, the they're sitting in the middle of the woods and they're like, "Look at that parade!" But that's a national <laughs> news story. And then there's Will Trump speak out against the bigots, and that, you know how insane that is. If because it, it, this was the whole idea of condemn um, uh, David Duke, where it's like, so we're going to set a standard where you have to condemn every every person that um people who have their feelings hurt right now consider bad yeah you know who gives you the power that gives power to exactly people to throw accusations around yeah. you know what i mean what if, if i want to destroy hillary i, I should just right. endorse yeah, her. yeah yeah I, I mean nobody cared that the see the communist party of america endorsed hillary nobody asked her to denounce them right or that epstein a pedophile or, or that they helped a group of elite pedophiles get immunity for life <laughs> I mean, nobody, nobody said denounce Dude. that. I got a a comment on uh, Facebook about your our podcast, but you really did all the work on that about uh, the Epstein thing, saying um, that. So it was our last, was it episode uh, yeah. ten of the Propaganda Report? This is what JJ said: the last episode left me speechless. I had no idea how deep the Epstein rabbit hole really went. Um, would love to hear your opinion on the Trump victory. Well, here we are. Here we go. <laughs> but anyway, I'm just yes. directing people to episode 10 because that's where you did all your work. And what's that. crazy about that is we didn't even scratch the surface and all, all the stuff is actually. No, I know. We were, it was just the, it was just, we didn't really feel like we had read all the documents, all the whatever, but what there was. It, it's unbelievable uh, how much there is and how many people are implicated in it. I, mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you, um, I, I put an insert at the end of it, and the ins- in that insert, I was emphasizing the fact that the people in that in that di- like the plea, the only purpose of the plea letter is to help them get a deal, as opposed to go forward to be prosecuted. And there was overwhelming evidence. I, I mean, it, that was complete and total agree. There's pictures on Maxwell's computer. It's over. You did you put the link in for that? I'm telling. I've been so sick. I, I put I put a bunch of the. I still <laughs> need to add a few links because I, I've had to go collect yeah. all of it. But my my okay. point was like. The Rockefeller Foundation, Council on Foreign Relations, um, Clinton, all of those people were in this letter that was getting somebody who was facing potentially life in prison and a group of people potentially facing life in prison, getting them nothing essentially. Everybody got nothing essentially except for Epstein. So because of them – and then you look at the people who are on the flight logs, and it's people from the Rockefeller Foundation, people from the Council on Foreign Relations, all those people in those – from those organizations who listed. And then then one of my friends said, well, that's just him listing that. And I said, let me ask you this. If there was this amount of evidence that somebody committed these crimes, it would – Put them potentially in prison for life, and someone came to you and said, "Hey, man, would you mind give us giving us your endorsement and using your name? <laughs> would you not on this letter? Me? Yeah, or, or, or would they do it without asking or without permission? No, of course not. I would like to say, just for the record, that I don't think Epstein got away with this or got this special treatment uh, at the hands of Ken Starr because he's a rich and powerful guy with powerful friends. I, I think it's deeper than that. I think his, 
I think he may even have have become a rich and powerful guy uh, for deeper reasons, and and that um, his operation, kind of like the Roy Cohn speculation or report I read or whatever it was, about how these sex rings are basically ways to control people, to blackmail people, and to uh in in his case was to get information from people so i think it was really a deep state operation possibly and that that's why they had to do full court press some somebody and it also shows that there are layers so like they would never have probably even had any kind of prosecution on this except for somebody didn't shut up or some cop really wanted to do a good job or uh, you know what I mean? Like, they, I'm sure this was not something that they ever wanted to get to even this level. No, it, I mean, it would have taken down the whole system if this thing's because so many people were implicated. And, yeah, and, there should have been a trial with the witnesses. Yeah. But I mean, what he would have done if he would have revealed if he would have revealed anything, then all these people who were in that non-process, who were in that letter, who were there's going to be evidence released on them. So it's going to be implicating people at the highest levels of government. This is why the, the U.S. attorney had a reason to give a deal to someone who they absolutely had an overwhelming amount of, evi- of evidence against. That's true, and I wonder if that guy's house was wired for sound. And uh, Possibly. You know what I mean? Like he, I mean, he probably had dirt on all those people. Oh, why no, yeah. He? That's exactly that's exactly yeah. why he was able to do it. He he collected evidence on the girls before before he even yeah. picked them. He had Maxwell c- collect uh, evidence on all the girls and the people that were there, and he had the girls give him details about all the people. So there's no doubt. I have to add two things. One, I just want to point out that Donald Sterling, who was the Clippers guy with those leaked audio tapes, remember? Yeah, I remember him. Uh, I think those audio tapes were his own. I think his house was wired for sound. So that's why I think that his wife's the one who leaked them so he could she could force a sale of the business. I have no idea, but it just made me realize like at that level maybe these guys are so paranoid or um for whatever reason they they'll be they'll wire Anybody who comes into their house for sound, I don't know. Uh, would not surprise me, not one bit, if that was no. the case. And then the other thing I want to say is I did get a comment uh, from that uh, – I don't know if he <laughs> doesn't like me to use his name. I just don't know. But my emailer who has this great truth dar, the young guy, he uh, – so for the record, I want to say for the Epstein stuff, he pointed out that I believe one of the girls, Virginia Roberts herself perhaps, was procured – by Gislaine or Gislaine Maxwell at Mar-a-Lago. So this this kid who's awesome thinks that the Trump stuff is – Trump isn't quite as innocent as you think on that. Well, I started this whole research thing out because I thought Trump was overwhelmingly guilty with this. And at every corner, I have found that he has been – like her lawyer, Virginia Roberts, the victim in question – her lawyer has, in multiple occasions, cleared Trump uh, of wrongdoing, and the yeah, stuff okay. from other evidence is possible. It's definitely possible. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, okay, I got one more article I want to go through, yeah. and then we can. Okay. Uh, one other thing that Michael Moore, he's all over CNN and MSNBC, uh, just telling over, people to riot. He was the CNN. I believe I texted you this, like in the middle of the night. On election night, how weird I thought it was that within five minutes, so I was watching it for hours and hours, within five minutes, CNN and Fox, I just happened to flip channels at this moment, 
both said, you know who was ahead of this? Michael Moore. Michael Moore said the Rust Belt states had a hidden Trump vote. It was like, it was the same exact comment from two different people. It was very weird. Well, he made a a documentary where he's talking to those people in like an auditorium. Right, and he, right. And that's yeah. what they were referring to. And they were like, he had just been a guest on our show and he was the one who did all that. And I saw that. I saw the ads and stuff for that. But so it doesn't surprise me at all that now he's making the scene. That's the kind of stuff, I, you know, I, I don't know. Is I guess maybe there's nothing, um, you know, maybe those are natural, you know, natural uh succession of events i don't know i mean it's it's definitely him doing good pr to take advantage of yeah. his uh, of his film but the thing is he's on every network telling people to go out and protest essentially telling people to riot and that, that's my point of all these articles is right. they every single one of them is fueling these riots and fueling these tensions and 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 when they're saying we need to heal and have unity so it's just a front that they're saying all that nonsense because every action they take is fueling more division and fueling more riots and here's this last article which is titled The Mannequin Challenge Takes on Racism in Frozen Frames. A group of filmmakers turned the latest frivolous viral trend on its head with a cinematic take on The Mannequin Challenge, a haunting reenactment of the controversial deaths of black men and women at the hands of police officers. These vignettes, which include freeze frames of iconic moments in Black Lives Matter movement, are revealed one by one within the larger um, scale while police scanner audio from the actual events serve as an eerie soundtrack to the grisly scene. <laughs> and there's a picture of somebody just frozen on the ground and a police officer uh, holding a gun over them, frozen. And they reenact the Trayvon Martin, um, although that wasn't cops, the uh, Alton Sterling, Sandra Bland, Philandro, Castile. Yeah. It, it, it's, I'm trying it's, to find it. I'm not seeing I'm not. It's seeing on N- NBC News. Oh, yeah, yeah I'll I see that. link. See now I'm I'm looking at some stuff like that. So yes, that's highly provocative because it's showing you it's because people are so visual. Yes, and it's totally taking it out of con out of context. Just like not yeah. even the full story. And this is like yes, this right. is the last. Right. It's a soundbite in pictures because it's more it's more. It's a a cop frozen holding a gun over a black man laying (laughs) underneath a car. I'm not not laughing at the problem. I'm it's the propaganda that makes me laugh. And it's it's, how manipulative it is that just if you don't laugh, really, you cry. I got to include this image because this guy is laying on the ground, the the African-American with his head tilted back as though he's dead. Like as though he's dead, his head is tilted back, and the cop is laying on the ground directly in front of him, holding a gun right at his face. Like this person's about to re-kill an already dead person. It's just it's over the top. Oh, that is. Oh, I thought that was real. Wait, are those actors or are they? No, these are yeah, these are people who are doing this mannequin challenge. Can you imagine seeing that and they're playing the audio of the actual event, okay. the police scanner? Cutting out a little bit. Let me let me just clarify what this thing is. I'm asking you. Those look like pictures of real people in frozen positions. Are you yes. saying those are mannequins or people no? Are that that's like the mannequins. mannequin challenge. They're acting okay. like right. mannequins. So it's real like a, people. A metaphor are. or whatever. Okay, got it. Yeah. So you're seeing real people do this. <laughs> oh, like everywhere. 
wherever they're doing this this uh, this event, this this challenge, right. okay. have a bunch of them. Oh, they're playing the audio so, over it. So you don't need actual mannequins, and it gets you. Wow, that is very clever. <laughs> I mean, it's it's frightening, but I understand. I wasn't understanding what you were saying. So like, people could just strike a pose, and the pose is you're getting shot by a cop. Yes, that's the that, that's just they're showing that what they're representing with their mannequin scenes is is like in, in improv you do a scene called freeze frame sometimes and you turn out the lights and then when you turn the lights up every every yeah. person freezes and then somebody interprets that scene. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost kind of like this where they're having these vignettes of, of freeze frame uh, cop and a black person, cop shooting a black person, and then they're playing the actual audio over that, the police audio, the real police audio, to make it really eerie. And over seven hundred people, over seven hundred thousand people have viewed this and shared it more than twenty five thousand times on uh, the Facebook page that's that's doing this. And, and, and so that's seven hundred thousand people who are getting one side of a story. Who it's only creating more more tension, more division. This does nothing to create unity in anybody. Can you imagine being like in one of these things where it was kind of uh, vague and unclear, where the they cop all, maybe was all, acting? In- there are always two sides to these stories, or they exactly. don't get here. And you <laughs> see, and you see somebody there. representing you in a freeze frame with sticking your gun in the face yeah. of somebody who looks like they're dead on the ground. I mean, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and what if the tables turn and you do it that way um, where uh, black-on-white crime or black-on-black crime or – People would lose their minds. I mean it would really be – could you imagine presenting uh, an image like that that just e- evokes this uh, – Whatever guilt. I mean, a lot. I actually have observed almost every one of these, and I've talked about it, and the pattern continues where they just do not give them airtime if there aren't two sides to the story. If it's not, it's the art of ambiguity. Yeah, you know, ever since you said that, I, I noticed that the ones that yeah. are clear cut, they do not they ignore. Show. There is a picture of a, it's, it's white on white, but it's a Paradise, California police officer. A guy, he chases a drunk driver. The guy rolls over. The His girlfriend flies out of the car to her death. And the guy tries to crawl out of the car and the cop shoots him dead. And, uh, or he died a little bit like a week later. And I don't know if the cop shot him so he wouldn't tell that it was his fault that the girlfriend died. I really don't know what the story was. But it was so clear cut. The cop got off, I think. Or maybe after the guy died, he had a problem. But it was so clear cut so clear cut the whole world would rise up black and white against this cop and it was absolutely ignored did you even ever yeah. hear of it no i never heard of it yeah that. and yeah. i've had it on my website like four times because you know? it, yeah. right. i mean it, so you i mean i've talked about it before and you didn't even weren't even aware of it it creates no because that doesn't create any of the conflict they think they have to have the tension they have to have the conflict and that that's the reason for the the vagueness of it. And what about but, in Atlanta? The guys, the two guys on the same street within one month in Henry County, who one guy was killed on a nine one one call. His family called because he was freaking out, and the other guy was just a wrong address. There was nine one one call. They showed up. The guy heard a bunch of ruckus outside in the middle of the night. He came to the door with his gun, and they 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 uh, mowed him over. He's dead. This was recent, right? That was in June, May to June. That was the month time span and right. I, that's not i actually wrote to the reporters or well, like atlanta report i tried to like you know actually use some um 
you know, inside information to try to figure out just like media stuff in Atlanta, try to figure out who to ask to follow up on those cases. And uh, they, they're I, already like, it's buried. It's buried. Well, you know, Sorry. the WSB guy, like the boss boss said, yeah, go ahead. That would be super awesome. But I don't really have, I'm not an investigative reporter. So I was just trying to get other people to do it. I know they're busy, but I'm just saying, I, I, it just wasn't interesting. You know, it wasn't on the agenda. They have other things to do. I know that, how it yeah, is to be busy. Right. So if it was something that was, you know, making headlines all across the country, they'd be all over it. But right. you, you got to pick your battles. And these battles are picked based on how uh, they play into these official narratives. Exactly. And to show that another perfect example that goes along the lines of this is there are there are problems with uh, you know the the cops in the black community, it's not to say that there's not problems. It's no, to say and there that- always have been, and it's not getting press now because of uh, iPhone cameras. That is not what's going on. It's getting press now because two or three years ago, people saw these SWAT teams killing people in the middle of the night for pot busts because now right. they have all this military equipment that came in from Iraq and Afghanistan, and it really started to be a problem. Militarization of the police, so they immediately started saying, "Oh, it's." Don't worry if you're not black. Like that is the message, right? That they're and, and, trying to tell you. It gets the white people to not see the problem. That's why it's so subversive. Exactly. Well, it does. It gets them not to see the problem. And, and the the yeah the the way that they're protesting, they're doing these protests. It draws a line in the sand, and it further divides people, and it holds up the worst case scenario stereotypes by it, always making it ambiguous. Even if these things are made up, the story they make up is ambiguous. That gets people to say, well, what were you doing reaching into your glove box while this guy had a gun to your head? You know, why would you not say, you know, so then they always seem like, what I what do I think? I'm a, I'm a white lady. I like put my hands on the steering wheel. Yes, officer. You know, like I absolutely never exert my free will when a cop is standing next to me with a gun. I am so smart. I might as well be a dog on, <laughs> on right. my back. You know, I'm just like, I'm sorry. I have to own who I am and that is who I am. So if you get a bunch of people like me looking at a situation where someone's just like reaching into his pocket, you're like, no, don't do that. You know, you watch the videos. You're like, no, no, what? behind that door like no so and those questions become racist and that that yes and and well it's meant to it's meant to make you it's it's meant to to divide people up that way but it's it's all it's it's meant to make people say that cop was definitely right or people say another black guy gunned down for no reason like it's just that's what it is and it completely takes the focus away from the reality which is there there is a problem with this with the militarization of the police, with no-knock raids, with uh, SWAT teams in every town. I mean, they could – and this idea of increasing federalization and stuff. That This is a big problem. Right, and this plays into the protesting of Trump because he is presented army. as the bigot. So this yes. fuels the, the protest that's going on right now that we're going to have a big – and then they showed a picture of Trump surrounded by cops at his hotel. So it's saying that he is armored basically is the way they presented it. So it it, it, it counteracted like that picture with Trump being like a militarized uh, um, a dictator almost the way they presented it. So it's just fueling this and, divide. And you know what's going to feed right into that is Al Sharpton and the guy who is the head of the, head of the task force on policing that Obama pointed. I think he was a black guy. They're calling for unequivocally – federalizing the police and you know what that will do it'll give trump his own army right you know what i mean like if that's what you're afraid of don't do it yeah yeah (laughs) just don't do it what one more point on that is that 
I mean, and this is clearly this is clear evidence, uh, not that we need any more evidence of the media fuels things instead of healing things. Um, the NBA, I don't think I've uh, talked about this yet, but the NBA has um, been doing for years, and especially over the course of the past six months, they have been doing outreaches where they are bringing police officers and people from uh, black communities together to play basketball together and have conversations to to. Uh, debunk the stereotype and, and to create conversation have the difficult conversations and they're doing this in communities all over all over the country and the nba players have decided not that they decided they're not going to take a knee they're going to stand in unity and, and, and honor the flag because they see that this is the, the thing that kaepernick do is doing is divisive and so if they really wanted to heal the country they would highlight all of these things that the nba is doing to actually help the problem Instead of what the NFL is doing, which is fueling the problem, or and what do this... you take this NBA thing as uh, take it at face value, or is it possible that they are playing into the dialectic? Because I don't think that I don't think the sports organizations are like quasi governments, if you ask me, and I do not think they are above that stuff. And that Clippers example, by the way, really seemed weird, and uh, and I wondered how you know, how Machiavellian it all was right. at the league level. So, Well, it's not getting any press. It's being attacked. Like, they're doing it all the time. There's even comments of them, of some of the players saying, yeah, it, we don't ever get any press. It's kind of strange. Like, I had to, I found that. Yeah. Um, that that wasn't on, like, CNN or, or, uh, hmm. ES, or ESPN. Well, or, it I was bet, like I bet it, it emerges as something important. We'll if see. It needs to get buried, and it, it dies on the vine – uh, I will take it at face value if it it's kind of like my Ron Paul Donald Trump thing. Like, see, this is the thing. So I'm a little I'm I'm definitely wondering what's going on with this Trump thing. But Ron Paul, who I love, if he had actually been elected, I would be really looking into it. You know, I've actually looked into it before. I've been like, is he controlled opposition? I mean, liber- uh, people on the left really think that about libertarians. You should have just general. asked him. Yeah, you got I, you a chance to interview him. You I was asked him. I was I was going to ask him how uh, how you would counter the argument that you're controlled opposition because I'm sure he's heard it. So I was say I I thought that might be a little aggressive. <laughs> That's like your backwards way of asking him. <laughs> Is, are you? No, but I would smooth. ask him next time. Well, I conclude. You know, I I have my I'm satisfied that he's not. But if all of a sudden he was the president, I would I would reassess that and i would certainly like think about because that's what i did with trump i had read all that stuff before about all those connections and everything i'd read it all and i just thought well that they you know his role is a deep state role but it's not to be president then when i when he became president then i had to go back and reread all of those articles i went through old emails links people had sent me i did and i i i just had to look at it afresh as something more important, you know, like this was a psyop that I did highlight as being too important just to get Hillary elected. But now, you know, I feel like it had to have been in the works a very long time. Like you were saying, like for your theory to be correct, this had to have been going on for 10 years. I think it was probably going on for 30 years. Not that they necessarily picked him, but they have like stables of people who they cultivate in the deep state. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I agree that they, their plan is definitely long range. What, when I was talking about Trump's thing, is, is Trump in his past, he has shown very Americanism 
type, even though he is very democrat, he is very much a democrat in, in his big government policies. But when it comes to globalism via or versus um, Americanism, he has shown a lot of Americanism yeah, type stuff in his but past. That folds into this, well, this changing of this of the strategy to use if if the time came where they had to change gears away from globalism to nationalism and regionalism in order to create these ready-made modular uh pieces of puzzle to emerge as a world government you know maybe that's when you activate a guy like that's possible obama was a very i mean if you look at his parents his grandparents i mean this guy, his stepfather, their roles. I think Wayne Madsen is that the guy's name? He did a fantastic job. Uh, I mean, assuming all the stuff checked out, but the narrative was <laughs> positively compelling. That he, and then there were other guys also in stables like this. That if uh, if Obama weren't to pan out, they had other people that they could use. Yeah. See, I think a lot of the things that that you say about uh, him being controlled opposition or in on it i I don't i a lot of times i'm in 100 percent agreement with what you're saying i just i i disagree in that the the what you're saying means that he's can see i i think that there's a real gray i think the measure we don't have like clear measurement standards of what it means to be in on it and what it doesn't mean to be in on it because i I think all these things can be true yes i don't know how much obama knows i don't know how much trump knows i mean you have to look at these guys and when you hear like what they say is is rather often rather shallow. So if it, you know, it was like the perfect example is FDR. FDR's information was completely controlled because he was in a wheelchair at the top of stairs. So he yeah. was kept upstairs, and you could full and there was no internet or anything. You could fully control his information. I don't. I don't know about. Wait a minute. Are you saying that scene in Pearl Harbor where he stands up is not real? <laughs> you know what the actual story is about Pearl Harbor? He was just sitting there playing solitaire as they were saying, we've got to warn them. <laughs> he was like, just well, I, I have a book that did, did for like, it, it was published like two years before Pearl Harbor, and it's just describing Pearl Harbor like throughout really? the whole. I mean, it's it's, oh, it's describing it. how the, how it was being. I mean, we clearly knew Pearl Harbor was coming. There's no doubt about it. Yes, we. Well, they say they, that they provoked it, but I did a show honoring the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Nobody was talking about it. I think it was the 70th anniversary, and I just thought it would be interesting because we my should father, do that next month. My father fought in World War II. Like uh, he was old when I was born, and he was like the youngest that could fight in World War II. He was in na- uh, in the Navy. He was a young sailor in the Pacific, and when he died, I got a book from his library that uh, was called Backdoor to War, and it had his like margin notes in it and stuff, and it was from the 50s. So he was a young guy, had fought in that war, and this thing was based on State Department documents talking about that. So forever after that, he, he felt like that was uh, an inside job. Oh, it's – I mean it's – Clearly, well, but people called me on the air. I thought I was paying respects to the to these guys and giving them a little vindication, a little justice for for who it was also in part responsible for their death. I'm not saying the Japanese didn't do it. I'm saying that whatever other people were responsible too. That people went bananas on me, and I was like, "Look, people!" I said, "We were." It manipulated into this war, and I'm telling you, we people, were in a secret treaty with the British. People were telling me we. 
it, good thing he manipulated us into that war. We needed to fight that war. And I, I mean, the people we say we tried to save, like in the Holocaust stuff, 6 million Jews died, right? So if that's the case and we fought that war and they still died and it cost $4 trillion, maybe there could have been a better way. Right. Maybe we, prolonging it for years yeah. and years and years was actually the most destructive, worst outcome, not only for Jews, but for everybody. Yeah. I mean, wealthy elites, multinational corporations, some from the U.S., helped fund Hitler. A lot of people know that Prescott Bush, George Bush Sr.'s father, was indicted under the Trading with Enemies Act in 1942 for the work that his bank did with the Nazis. And neither us nor the British had a problem with Hitler taking on the Russian communist. Oh, and we and we promoted the Bolshevik Revolution. You should read the Anthony Sutton trilogy, Wall Street and Hitler, Wall Street and FDR, Wall Street and the Bolsheviks. That's interesting. It's, it's about – I think it was really about keeping the East and West divided, that the Anglo-American Empire needed to keep Germany and Russia at war. Otherwise, the Eurasian continent would be the strong powerhouse that, it's, that it really obviously should be, like just – Geopolitically, it looks like the powerhouse. Anglo-American seems not ge geologically or geographically the right thing to dominate the world. And I think perhaps that's really still the struggle today and that it hasn't been completely uh, – I, I, I found some documents last night that um, was – they came out a little bit after – no, it was a little bit before World War II, but it was after the Bolsheviks took over in Russia – they they released all the the archives of, of the treaties that that Russia had been making with Britain and France and everybody else and and it totally they totally just destroyed the war aims like the war aims of making the world safe for democracy it, it totally destroyed all of that and made it clear that because they had they had already divided up the spoils before the war had even started wow, among the allies. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's sick. You have and, to send me the link. See, that's the thing. People just take It's like nine hundred pages. It's crazy. Yeah. You rewrite the history so that it's this black and white thing, good and evil, villains and heroes, um, victims and perpetrators, and uh and that becomes the only thing anyone can see. And if you start challenging some of the motivations of the people who started the war. Uh, that makes you appear to be unpatriotic or whatever. Right. But, That's the propaganda, though, is they, they try yes, and steal that you, with their war aims. Yeah. I mean, it, and the propaganda is so thick around past wars always that it's it becomes – you really sound like a kook if you, if you even question – what's accepted as like the and go back to like the civil war and lincoln and stuff i mean lincoln is yeah. like deified he's deified like a deity like uh he's a greek god in isn't that his thing isn't he on a big in a temple in washington well, he, yeah and he's also he's in a temple in washington and he's also the most famous white house ghost oh is he still poking around there I guess so. <laughs> so I'm just saying, if you go back and look at all that stuff, you, it's like you're a massive racist if you if you wonder what if Lincoln had ulterior motives, you know. And of course, right. the, the you cannot possibly think that the the people who are leading the charge, who've reached that height of power, are uh, are really these innocent um, country bumpkin do-gooders who happen to save the world for justice, and and still we're here.
Yeah. Um, if anybody is interested in reading about some of that, a, a good book that I would recommend is uh, not the Civil War part of it, uh, but for the the World War One part yeah. is World propaganda. World War One propaganda technique in World War. It's caused by Harold Laswell. It 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 does a really good job of. It goes through a lot of really te- interesting techniques and talks about creating war aims to kind of divert the public's attention from the real purposes of the war. And, oh, that's interesting. And what about the Soviet stuff that you were just saying? Documents of the secret agreements. I'd love to see links. To oh, that. I can I can send you a link to that. I can link that too if people want to check it yeah, out. Yeah, it would be great if you could link that. Um, Definitely we'll put it in the show notes. I think that's all I have. I know you had a story you were going to tell earlier. I can't remember. Oh, exactly. my brother's tattoo. So, um, my brother was in Thailand during the Vietnam war. He was one of the older kids. So I'm trying not to sound too old. <laughs> I should be a totally different generation. I'm kind of old, <laughs> but I'm the youngest of nine. So he's one of the older ones and I'm the youngest. Um, but he was in, uh, Viet- no, he's in Thailand during Vietnam he was young and he signed, he volunteered. So I respect that. And he, uh, was getting, he was, I guess, got drunk and in his initiation or whatever. <laughs> he went to get a tattoo. So he got a tattoo. It's like the, the American Eagle with a banner in its talons. And in the banner, you know, you write your girl's name. So, uh, and he was young and he had this super hot, girlfriend with like platinum blonde hair that she used to iron with an iron on an ironing board and uh, yeah that's what they did back then you know she wore a choker like a velvet can't be good for your hair well yeah i mean but i guess it was worth it so she um and her parents like want always wanted to have a boy so they ended up naming her dennis instead of denise they named her dennis because they were thought it was gonna be a boy they had the name picked out and they just went for it (laughs) super hot girlfriend named dennis so he's like drunk, he's at the tattoo parlor. The guy does the whole bald eagle and he does the banner. He says, okay, what's your girlfriend's name? And he says, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy says to him, I'm not putting Dennis in your tattoo. <laughs> I'm sending you off to war. I am not doing that. And he was just like, oh, all right, leave it blank. And it's hilarious. okay. He got a Dear John letter from dennis while he was in the service so she did not wait for him he did not come home to her and to this day which obviously is a long time later he has the tattoo and it's uh wait a dear john letter that's like a breakup letter yeah dear john i'm not waiting for you oh. love dennis she, she can burn her head with that iron frog yeah so he so to this day he has the tattoo with the blank banner that's crazy. Yeah. That's, that's glad. I'm glad he didn't get Dennis put put on there. No, it was great. It worked on a lot of levels, and it's still yeah. super cool because it's it's empty. Yeah, so he can still <laughs> he can still put somebody's name in there. It's like putting a bumper sticker on your car that just doesn't have anything on it. <laughs> so you can pro- you can project your own. You know, yeah, maybe it's psychic slogan. paper. They look at you right. Know, you see your own name. That's I, I've been saving this for you, honey. <laughs> As my son with Down syndrome says that this is his. He used to try to um, – loves girls, and he always, like, walks up to girls. He's like, hey, how you doing? So, Oh, really? Oh, yeah. He loves girls, and he just walks right up to them. And he said – he's 14, and he used to say, hey, baby, uh, want to marry me? <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was the most brilliant pickup line in history. 
then uh, my husband was like, that is totally uncool. So then I was like, you can't say that anymore. It's like, okay. So now he goes up to the girls and he says, hey, you want to have a sleepover? (laughs) 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 Which is also fantastic. And uh, and I just feel like if you you have the blank banner, it's like, I've been waiting my whole life to fill this in, you know? (laughs) Why don't we talk about it at my house? Well, maybe you should get get uh, get your son a tattoo. He totally wants a Special Olympics tattoo. Oh, really? <laughs> he saw a, yeah, he saw a kid from, named Bryce who had a Special Olympics tattoo. He's like a bodybuilder kid with Down syndrome. Yeah. And uh, so now my son is totally fixated on earning the – but I, I like don't have the courage to tell him that tattoos really hurt and there's absolutely no way he would be able to sit through that. Right. Anyway, so I had tons and tons of stuff about all the things I expect from a Trump presidency. I writ- written this down the other day. And like, I already have notes <laughs> all over it, like compromised here, compromised there. One of the things was NAFTA. I was like, is he really going to renegotiate NAFTA? And then I thought, I was like, whoa, if he's super duper Manchurian candidate, he'll renegotiate Na- and renegotiate NAFTA uh, along the lines of Heidi Cruz's North American Union, where you build the wall, but you leave the door open. so and then and then after i said that uh somebody tweeted dean tweeted to me that um that they're already making noises that like the people in canada and mexico are totally open to renegotiating nafta and i'm like oh my gosh was that a plan i don't know and then there's another like meme going around that also dean from my twitter account uh at monica perez show he I said, you know, what do you think is really going on here? And right away, he said, the only thing I can think is that they need to get out of this zero interest rate environment. They cannot raise rates. And that means makes the Fed powerless. If they raise rates, they crash the market and the economy. Maybe they're using his presidency to raise rates again and just blame it on him, uh, blame it on conservatives. I yeah. don't know if it's that simple. I, I think some of this other stuff I was reading was saying that uh, it's really uh, about the bigger uh, dollar collapse kind of thing. That if the dollar draws in and a multi-currency thing emerges with China and everybody in the basket, you know, maybe this is a vehicle towards that. But I just wanted to give Dean a shout out because he said it first and uh, he definitely just thought it up because it was very quick. I had a friend along similar lines who thinks that towards the end that the Democrats lost it on purpose. He thinks that they really he thinks they were behind the the email leaks or the James Comey thing and that they lost it on purpose for Hillary so that Trump could get in office and they have a Republican Congress and then then then, then make every then blame everything on them in 2020 and yeah. get gets the person in there they want in there. Michelle yeah. Obama. Get Michelle Obama in there. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness gracious. Maybe <laughs> she is the chosen one. There is one what to watch out for I'd like to throw in there if you think we have a minute. Yeah. Okay. I right before the election, maybe the day before, I wrote an article that drew a connection between something Obama had said, something Melania Trump had said, and a speech Vernon Jordan, who was a big Bill Clinton advisor, had made. And uh, you can read the article at my website, monicapresho.com. It's called, um, it's about censorship. It's just a recent post. I'll link to it in the notes here. But I had not thought about Melania being important in the story, just that she was laying out this idea that children and teens need to pr- be protected 
from meanness in social media. Mm-hmm. And that dovetailed with what Vernon Jordan was saying. It's like, we need a way to screen for accuracy, to prioritize, and especially to require people to speak to each other, to, to require a certain level of discourse in social media, which I had flagged to mean both how people treat each other and the content. So you can't have hate speech said nicely, and you can't have um, you know good things said meanly. Like it was just a complete crackdown on internet communication, which I definitely see is coming. And I wonder if this, uh, if this is going to be Melania's cause celeb, like the first lady always has to have a cause so often focused on the children. If hers is going to be how to protect institute, the protections against kids. So you don't have to worry about the internet anymore. Uh, I just wonder if that's, uh, you know, that's just something to watch out for. Yeah. That, that plays in with the, they're pushing virtual reality. You're seeing a lot of stories. I saw another one today about people. Well, there was the ones about people getting sexually assaulted in virtual reality, which is ridiculous. But then there's other <laughs> ones about people experiencing uh, people experiencing something like somebody who's older experiencing something they were never able to experience through virtual reality. So they're conditioning us to accept that as as part of our reality, and then they're going to regulate it and they're going to control. It's it's seriously going to be thought police within within and, the realm and of that. It, there's predictive programming in that. There's a movie that was getting us ready for that. I think it was with Bruce Bruce Willis where you keep your body at home. And your Android yes. goes uh, surrogate. out. Surrogate. Yeah, surrogate. Exactly. Uh oh, we're at the point in the show <laughs> where we have to stop <laughs> because we could just go on and on. There's just a thousand things, so we'll have to do it again. Uh, that's it, right? You have anything else? No, I'm good. All right. I guess that concludes episode eleven of the Propaganda Report. See you later. See you later. <laughs>